Hey, Anna, we don't have a uh, feedback thing this week because we're recording this a little bit in advance, but I do have an update. Okay, good. So we have an update from Kelsey, who was in our Britney Snow episode. Right. And she had been invited to two weddings with her ex-boyfriend. and She was going to run into him. And she wasn't sure how to kind of handle that. If it's all the emotions of it was going to be pouring through. And you advise Kelsey to play a character at the wedding, which she's the most upbeat, joyous, a version of herself and not to feel any pressure. Do you remember this kind of cool yeah, with yeah, everything? Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you said that she should greet the guy as his new girlfriend at the beginning of the night and just enjoy herself afterwards. Do you remember that? I do. I wanted her to kind of protect her, herself, you know, well, and, you know, and still have a good time and see her friends. Right. And she actually wrote to us. She gave us an update about the wedding. She Amazing. actually went to the wedding and she wrote, Hi, Anna and Sim. Well, I decided to go to the wedding, as Brittany and Anna suggested. I had a fun time, although it was emotional. With the support of my amazing friends that were there, I was able to get through the night. The ex did approach me while I was talking to mutual friends who then quickly left to leave us two alone. We caught up on each other's lives and families for a good 20 to 25 minutes. It was nice. The not so nice part was his new girlfriend who kept staring at me down the entire night and refused to talk to me. But I just enjoyed the company of my friends and brushed it off. The night showed me how much my friends loved me. They kept on checking on me, gave me space when I needed a moment, and even had a rotation going on to make sure I was never alone. I may not have had a date to celebrate love with, but I did have many amazing friends share their love with me that night. Thank you so much for all the advice oh, you give. I think you're awesome. perfectly qualified. I love you all, Kelsey. Oh, I love you too, Kelsey. And thank you. I'm so glad you went. Good for you. And it sounds like you have amazing friends. Yesterday, I called my wife and I uh, and I said, "So uh, we have Bert Kreischer," and she said, "We have a bird crisis." <laughs> it's been fun watching my name get morphed into like nineteen different things because of Segura, because he he referred to me on his Netflix special as uh, Brent Crystals. He's like, "I got this really fat friend, Brent Crystals," and it started with him calling me Brent Chrysler, and now people love it, and my daughters love it more than anyone. Just giving me a fucking nickname that I hate. Do you have a longer name? Is Bert Char- Albert Charles Chrysler the third? Ooh, yeah, a third. And I wanted to adopt. Fuck. I wanted a son. I wanted to call him Albert Charles Chrysler the fourth, but I wanted to adopt him and I wanted him to be black. And I was going to call him Quate for four. Quate. I thought about that so much, and it's not going to happen. Maybe with my second wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still married to my first one, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I always can hope. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, so normally, you know, we, we try to, um, we attempt to be funny. I'm not a natural comedian. I'm just a natural idiot. But I did, I did want to talk to you about something because I grew up in Seattle. I know you grew up in Tampa. We can yeah. talk about that in a, in a little bit. But I, like, I have a few nonprofit charities that I'm involved with. And one of them is uh, the Seattle Children's Hospital. Oh, you motherfucker. And, uh, and I know that, that you're, that's... Helping kids is is one of your your passions, right? Bert? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I fucking hate Tom Segura. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> let me tell you, for those of you who don't know, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> this asshole volunteered me to donate $10,000 to Children's Hospital. I ran a marathon. I ran the LA Marathon with no training. No training. Got drunk the night before, showed up, ran the LA Marathon. It's called the Mickey Mantle team. Did you run or so I ran, walk? I ran. You, but you walk? Did I ran. You, walk? you no. Come five on. hours and thirty three minutes. What? I was at a five hour pace. That's what the a, fuck? Just so you know, that's a twelve minute mile. That's a five on the treadmill. Dude. Yeah. 
And then at mile 20, the woman in front of me shit her pants and both my legs cramped up. I was like, maybe I'll walk for a little bit. And so, but yeah, I finished it. And, the, and Tom had said, Tom had very boastfully said, I could roller skate a marathon faster than you could run it. And I was like, put your money where your mouth is. And at the last minute, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm definitely not doing that shit. And I, which I was fine, but I was, I'm still going to do the marathon. And so then I put out a tweet. Someone's like, I go, marathon's tomorrow. I'm drinking or whatever. And someone's like, is Tom skating? And I was like, nah, he welched. And he got really upset. No one likes being called a welch. So then the next day, he's on set with some Marky Mark movie he's doing. And he's like, just so you know, if Bert finishes the marathon, he says he'll give $10,000 to Children's Hospital. And if he doesn't finish the marathon, he'll give $20,000. I was like, wait, that bet doesn't make sense to me. If I do what I said I'd do, I got to give money? And I was like, I, and I, it reared a weird place in my, when I was a kid, I was in center field and there was, and we were doing wrestling moves. I'm like, I'm 45. We were doing wrestling moves. And this one kid put me in a headlock and pulled out a pair of scissors and he took the scissors he and he's pulled, like, what? Yep. What the fuck? And he Who was carries like, scissors during a fucking wrestling match? Drew McCall. Oh. That's his name. <laughs> and so he puts me in a headlock and he pulls the scissors out and I see the scissors and I'm thinking, I'm not going to fight him. I don't want to get stabbed by scissors on accident. And he cuts a lock of my hair. And then he's like waving around. We were friends and I was like, I didn't think anything of it. It didn't affect me. It didn't like, I was like, I don't give a shit. I didn't get stabbed by scissors. That's the way my thing happened. And when I got in the car with my dad, my dad found that out, and I've, nev- I've never felt less of a human than when my dad goes, you let someone cut your fucking hair. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I didn't get stabbed in the eye with scissors. Like, what would you be more upset about if I had missing an eye because I was like, no, it's the scissors hair that clearly grows back. What am I going to do about this? But it was a weird feeling when my dad said that to me. And when Tom said, you're giving $10,000. And then, of course, we get into a text. And Joe and Ari are laughing fucking hysterically. Oh, you're giving $10,000, big boy. And I was like, it was that feeling of me going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Sim, will you please read the GoFundMe page? Sure. Oh, my God. God. This is from, I think, I think Ari Shafir wrote this. Yeah. The original Welch, by the way. The original Welch. If anyone's going to call anyone a Welch, it's Ari Shafir. No, this is actually very convincing. It says, oh, I have Bert, not Kreischer, Bert Kreischer promised to give $10,000 to Children's Hospital LA, but it's become clear to me that he has no intention of fulfilling that pledge. But I never once said I'm going to give $10,000. Never once did I ever say in my life, I'm giving $10,000 to Children's Hospital He's more LA. concerned with buying vodka and expensive cigars. With... <laughs> That's actually accurate. (laughs) With adding a pool to his backyard, with putting on additions to his already palatial house. He'd rather fly first class everywhere than help the needy children he used in a disgusting plot to gain followers for his various social media pages. I feel so bad about my former friend leaving those poor sick kids in the lurch that I am taking up a campaign to cover the debt he refuses to pay. I've added a bit above the 10K to cover GoFundMe's sort of ridiculous policy of charging 7.9% plus 30% donation processing fee. With your help, with your help, we will help ease the burden that Bert forced on these impoverished children. And how many, how much money okay, is so been right, raised? Right now, dear listeners, right now it's at uh, 2,130,000 of its 10,961 goal. So there is Are you still a ways to go. But with the Are help of serious? this podcast, with the help of Anna Ferris and Anna Ferris is unqualified, hopefully we will reach that $10,000 goal. <laughs> Are you shitting me? 
That I, by the way, I saw that online. It's, I guess it's GoFundMe slash Evil Bert is the name of the thing. And I saw it, and then I, I put out a text. I, w- I was drunk yesterday, and I put out a text. I go, because uh, everyone's hitting me up. And I go, first of all, you can all suck my dick, and you can get blind behind Ari Shafir and Tom Segura. And that's when everyone started hitting me up going, are you guys really fighting? I was like, no, I'm not fighting. And I talked to Segura this morning, and I was laying in bed, and he was he was trying to get to talk about the children's hospital thing. And I was like, I was like, I I was like, yeah, I don't even, I haven't really listened to it. I don't know what's going on with it. And I, w- I wanted to, his wife did this thing for Netflix, and I wanted to find out how her set went, how Joey's set went. And he was like, hey, man, I just, you know, I didn't have anything to do with this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, wait. And then, of course, I changed the subject. I go, I'm doing Honest Podcast today. You've done it, right? And he was like, yeah. I go, what's it like? And he's like, are oh, you going to have a fucking black? So I never got to talk to him about this. So you reading <laughs> that is the first I've heard of the actual GoFundMe. But wait, but but in all seriousness. Oh, my God. No, no, no. no. But but truly. I'm in, killing in, this cocktail. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but no, no, no. But no, truly, truly, truly. Um, in all seriousness, would you like all of your friends to suck your dick? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it would be fun, like if I could go through my friends, like go through the store and pick guys and go, hey, Thursday at noon, like an odd time, we're gonna go get yeah. Brazilian food, and then you're gonna come back and suck my dick. <laughs> and like Delia had to be like, all right, Segura's a big fat guy. I'd like to see the way he slobbers on it, like just like he's like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't feed him for two days, and then I'd just give him my dick, and so his only sustenance would be my semen, and he just, <laughs> just, oh, I'm so sorry, I was starving. <laughs> <laughs> Ari would be selfish about it. You know that Ari would, be, would like. It would be like, huh? Uh, yeah. Like lazy. Yeah. What about like Joe Rogan? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I'm not sure I'd come back with a dick. That guy's so strong. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, he'd kettlebell my cock off me. <laughs> um, okay, wait. I have, two, I have I have two more questions for you before we get into uh, uh, what we call deal breakers. Yes. Okay, number one. I don't know what a Welch is. A Welch is, by the way, so when we, the first bet, this, this is the thing everyone needs to know about Tom Segura. Uh, you're all fans of him. Me too. I love the guy. Love him. I fucking love him. There's a thing about him where he finds things funny that not everyone else finds funny, but he finds them funny. So he started fat shaming me like two years ago. By the way, Tom Square at the time is 275. He's 275 <laughs> fucking pounds. I was 240. I was, he was 275 pounds. And he starts fat shaming me going, Burke Kreischer is the fattest comedian in comedy. Like, he's, he looks like Gerard Depardieu. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I'm, by the <laughs> way, Gerard Depardieu. I find it so ridiculous that I don't even pay attention to it. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. So then one day, me and Doug Benson get into a fight on stage, like a p- pretty bad one. And on stage in front of like 300 people. And it's on a podcast. It's a recorded podcast. And it's uncomfortable. You can hear it. It's behind a paywall. You can hear it. It's a Doug Loves Movies. And it is upsetting. And I'm drunk. And I'm shirtless. I had 200 cheeseburger. It was a long story. But I go back to my hotel. And I call Segura. Because you know, I'm his best friend. And he goes. And I go, hey, man, we need to talk. I want to talk about Benson. And Tom goes, I am so sorry. I go, for what? And he goes, wait, what do you want to talk about? I go, I just got into a fight with Doug Benson. He was like, oh, never mind. I go, wait, never mind about what? He's like, you haven't been online, have you? And I was like, no, I haven't. And it just went viral of this people fat shaming me, like creating fat shaming accounts just aimed directly at me. And I was like, oh, my God. And then it overwhelmed me. And then I was like, fuck it. Now I got to lose weight. And I lost like 40 pounds in a month. Just in me- Well, first of all, I gained another 20 right after that. That's how fat shaming works. And then I lost 40, and, and but 
Tom lost weight, and it was fun. It was fun that we both lost weight. We felt healthy. And then Ari had bet us that we wouldn't lose the weight. Ari was like, you won't lose weight. You won't get out of obesity. And if you do, then I'll fly you guys anywhere in the world to watch a, a, a sporting event, and I'll get tickets for it, and I'll put us up. And we both lost the weight. And Ari disappeared to fucking Vietnam. He just got in a plane and left. He was like, sorry, I didn't expect this to happen. I, don't, I only have a limited amount of funds. I, uh, I, I apologize. I'll be gone for the next four months. No phone, no computer. And so Ari, Joe and I, so Joe paid for Tom and I to go to San Francisco to go watch a game because Ari just disappeared. And then Ari's like, I always planned on intending on paying off that bet. I always intended on paying off that bet. And then Ari comes back and Sigrid and I are like, let's do another one. Then they did a what you, what I guess you could call an intervention with me about and we did this thing called Sober October, me, Ari, Joe, and Tom, where no one drank or did drugs for an entire month of October. And then after that, Ari's like, All right, I have enough money. I'm ready to take you guys. So we went to the we went to the championship and the NCAA championship game. Alabama and yeah. Georgia. So he eventually made good. He eventually made good, but it was because everyone called him the Welch. Ari the Welch, and he was like, "I don't welch on bets. I don't welch on bets." Oh, that okay. So that's what it means when you welch on bets. And that so, means you don't deliver on your bet. Yeah, and I so do now, that all the time. And, now, and well, you don't deliver on bets. Never. <laughs> Wedding gifts, thank you notes. I mean, I don't know if that that's like the female version of welching, but like it'll be like or showing up to anything like. <laughs> oh, I'm bad at that. I get. I have social anxiety, so like I don't. I have a hard time. So I, I I will not go to movie premieres, and there's a movie premiere for some movie that's coming out. My daughters want to go, and I was like, I don't fucking want to go. I don't want to go because I don't know what to wear, and I don't uh, like, I don't want I, people I'm, to go. Who are you? And then you'd be like, nobody in front of my kids. Nobody. I'm a comedian. I'm really big in Dayton, <laughs> so I'm fucking. I won't even like. I'm trying to get out of it. I'm I'm with you on that. I think that that's really common with performers, though. That's why I love podcasting because it feels like a forum where I can get to know people and we talk to to in, interesting strangers and attempt to give them advice, which usually is terrible. Dude, um, I but- heard I heard the advice. I gotta tell you, I gotta give a shout out to this girl. I was listening to your podcast last night in bed. Thanks. The episode with I think Zach Bramf. Bramf? Braff? Is it Braff? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. <laughs> I'm a fan of his. I've been saying his name wrong. Yeah, it's Braff. Yeah, Zach, Zach, Zach. Now I can't even say his first name right. Bert, Zach if it Braff. makes you feel better, before you came over, I was calling you Bob. <laughs> that, yeah. Listen, we have a lot in common. Oh, that's okay. I corrected my manager when I was driving over. He was have fun at Anna's. I said it's Anna. That's really sweet if you. Yeah. Well, so anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the go shout on. out I gotta give is, and by the way, there ne- there needs to be more per- people like this listener, the young lady who wrote in about bisexuality from the Heather Graham episode. Yeah. We Bro, fucked up. More, yeah. no, I don't even know what you guys said, but it doesn't matter because what she said is that like there needs to be more people like that in this world who go, I'm a big fan. I love you. I just want to tell you my point of view. I love when people do that with my stand up. Like when you have it, because when you write a joke or you do something, you come at it from like, I just want to laugh. I just looking for a laugh. And then when you, Sometimes you're, you, you're making the recipe so quick you forget to put all the ingredients in and you don't realize that the one ingredient you left out is one that everyone notices. And that yeah. woman just simply pointed out like, hey, there are, are other ingredients. You know, there, like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I listened to that and I got emotional. I was like, more people like that in the world. 
as opposed to what's happening where everyone just digs their heels in and go, I'm bisexual. How dare you? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. I wasn't thinking. And maybe now yeah. you open my eyes up. I love that, that lady. I, I'm so glad you bring that up because I, I felt, because we fucked up a lot. We fucked up like a, a lot. <laughs> You have no concept about fucking up. I do my podcast mostly drunk with other comics and high. I have said things that are so regrettable that you go, huh? Like, even, I've said things where my friends are go, dude, you might get fired from your own podcast. Like, I've said horrific things. And, but you just, you're high and you're drunk. You're, I've, been, I've talked shit about people on my podcast. I've talked shit about everybody. Do you listen to your podcast before you put it out there? Or do you edit no, it all? No, no, I just air it. And do you actually go back to those podcasts and take out the bits that were no. controversial? No, because I'm a podcast fan. Like, I'm a legit yeah. podcast fan. Like, legit. What I love about a podcast is the broken parts. I like things when people say that they don't know that they said, and, they've, and then they're... Like, that's what I feel like is the community we've created, is you're allowed to say something maybe a little fucked up about bisexuality, and then you're also allowed to be corrected by your fan. Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah. It's not... It's like... It's not television. It's not movies. You ha this isn't scripted. This is just supposed to be fun. Man, I had this. I said this really fucked up thing about black people once, which I will not repeat. And I had a fan like hit me up, and he's like, "Hey, man, just so you know, I know you think that might be a bit, but it's a really fucked up idea." And I was like, "I was like, DM me and let's talk." And we talked about it, and I was like, "Bro, thank you so much." Then I see him at a show in D.C. He was like, hey, man, I just love you. I just think you're a great guy, and I just want you to know that you made your friends laugh, but as a black guy hearing that, that is fucked up. And I was like, hey, man, I appreciate it. That's the, that's the beauty of this art form. It's changed stand-up so fucking much. You don't know this because you don't go out and do live shows every weekend and do meet and greets for an hour every night, but there are people listening to this right now that know you like they grew up with you. Right, yeah. And, 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 and I meet them. I take pictures. I drink with them. I, I hang out with my fans. And, uh, and that's cool. And by the way, I'm a podcast fan. I say shit to Rogan where I'm like, hey, man, on those, uh, on those uh, intermittent fasting that we're doing. And he's like, what? What? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just listening to the podcast with you and Ben Greenfield. And he's like, hold on. You got to remind me of what we talked about. And I was like, never mind. Never mind. I'm good. I think podcasting is one of the coolest things. And I think you're allowed to fuck up. You're allowed to say fucked up things. And, and we've learned. I've learned. I've learned a, I've learned a lot. And I, I've always, like, our, our objective with this podcast has always been, we want to be funny. We want to get to know uh, our celebrity guests. But we also want to always have compassion and put compassion before humor. That's always been a priority. Hey, but can I ask you my second question? So I know that you have two kids yep. and uh and you're wearing two uh like club wristbands <laughs> right now i just admire it that it's like yeah man like sure i'm a dad and i'm married but like i've been out yeah well no this one is uh we, we did cluster fest last year yeah i did cluster fest this year i just like it that they're on uh, I this like one I can't get off. Yeah, the cluster fest one you need to cut it off. Right. Drew, Drew McCall. Drew McCall. <laughs> We're just bastardizing who names who in this episode. apparently carries around scissors Dude. wherever he goes. <laughs> uh, he's, I don't know what he's doing now. I've had a few run ins with him in the recent. But uh, yeah, this one won't come off. And then this is my pace bracelet from the LA Marathon. Oh, I right, right. I, by the way, that's right. like three months ago. I still haven't taken it off because I, I was just like, like the idea that you were like you were clubbing just like a couple oh, times. I was out, and I was out late last night. I was out super late. <laughs> I never hang out like in this area of town. And I had a meeting 
uh, in like right off Third Street Promenade, and I ended up coming in really late, and then still drinking at home. Oh, and then and then are you ready for this? Yeah, watching my favorite movie ever. Just friends. Nope. It's no. No. That's not, by the way, no. By the way, can I tell you a compliment? It's going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's a meant as a really big compliment for an actress. I didn't realize how many movies you are in that are my favorite movies. Thanks. Like I was like I was like um, you did did you do like the guest starring on Entourage once or something? Yeah. So that's like the first time I recognized you. I was like, oh, I know her. That's the very first time I was a big Entourage fan. And then I was like, yeah. And then I was I was like. Last night I was like, I wonder what uh, I wonder what all movies Anna was in. So I went to your Wikipedia. I love that you did research. Thanks. Well, I don't want to come in and not know anything, and so that's usually what I do. I do that for my podcast. <laughs> I do. I find one thing I'm interested in, and, and then I milk it. Like, or I, sometimes I find it in the middle of the interview. I was like, Rob Riggle. I just talked about military service the entire time. I remember, yeah, He's fucking. Oh. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Amazing. But you were in my favorite movie ever. Oh my God. Uh, is it scary move? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can I guess? You Ooh, might smiley be able- face. No, 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 no. no. Um, I'm going to guess Lost in Translation. No. Uh, by the way, no, I didn't know you were in that. No. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Can you give us like the first letter? This is the F. What? Yeah. Is she one of the leads? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. She is. I get. I don't know how that works, and I don't do movies. But like, she if without her, the movie doesn't work. So yeah. Thanks. I have no idea what it what it is. Frequently. Oh Frequently my god! I love it. About time I travel. can't believe. That. I've never seen that. Is it good? Are you shitting me? No, I've never. Oh seen my god! It. It's fucking awesome. Really? It is. I, I love. love it. Anna, have you I, seen it? Yeah. I mean, it's been years, but I, I, that's crazy. It's, no I one brings love that movie. Up that movie. I love that movie. I had so much fun. Uh, when the first time I saw it, I'm a I'm love time travel. I love time travel, and uh, and by the way, I'd say House Bunny is one of those. House Bunny and uh, Malibu's Most Wanted, and uh, Superstar Don't Stop Stopping are three of the most underrated movies. I like ever. Superstar. Do have you? Do Superstar is fucking hilarious. hilarious. House Bunny is fucking hilarious, and Thanks. Malibu's Most Wanted is fucking hilarious. Malibu's Most Wanted, I saw that was the first one where I said, okay, here we go. If I know the talent and I know the production company. And I know that it's a big release. It's going to be a, and it's comedy. It's going to be a funny movie. And I knew Owen Benjamin was in House Bunny. And so I was like, all right, I trust this is going to be a good movie. And it fucking delivered. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but frequently as, as when. Bird, I adore you. You're so good when, when the switch happens where you realize the person has come back from the future as an editor and you realize it. Because I'm, I, even again on the plane last night, I'm watching it and you're like, and you're like, yeah, I talked to your friend. And you're like, my friend, I'm, I'm the only one that should have come here. And he's like, what? 
And they're like, oh my God, it's the editor. I'm getting chill bumps talking about it right now. It's such a great plot twist. And then, and, oh, it's such a great, this. it's such a great fucking movie. It's such a great movie. When I was, I was in London shooting that movie and I was really lonely because, you know, you're in London and, and I had this, this little apartment that was connected to the Intercontinental Hotel. They probably won't appreciate me talking about this. Um, and it was an, it was a nice apartment. It was on the upper floor. It sort of felt like, you know, that little princess girl like I'm up here like by myself or whatever and there were these little baby mice that that started kind of scurrying around and I thought oh you know like I'm gonna feed these little mice like the this is my new little family (laughs) turns out they they weren't mice they were baby rats and before long they were like scurrying across my face in the middle of the night. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it became troubling, and eventually, I had to like call down to the front desk and say, like, uh, I don't know. There's, uh, I think there's a bunch of either either baby rats or larger mice that keep growing. Oh. I, of course, I didn't tell them that I was feeding them little cheese bits <laughs> to like. You're <laughs> helping with the infestation. Yes. They were like, we're so sorry. We'll give you a free massage. You're and like then, Oliver North with the <laughs> cocaine trafficking into the country. You're like, well, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. I was just bringing in for arms. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to turn into like, this. I was just like, I'm lonely, I'm a lonely little You're the girl freeway and- Ricky Ross of cheese. Okay, we're going to do a thing called Deal Breakers, yeah. but Sim has insisted that you yeah, tell please. the machine story. Have you ever heard it? I, I've never hyped up a story before. I don't okay. like doing that. No, <laughs> no one no, likes no, to hype. Yeah. No one. But I remember listening to it. I'm sure you've told this, I don't know how many times, but I, I forgot whose podcast it was. But Joe Rogan's the first one I told it, it on. Must, it must have been Rogan's then. Yeah. Uh-huh. When I was 22, I got involved with the Russian Mafia. I went to school at Florida State. I was not a very good student. Like... I used to think Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person, just to put it in perspective. <laughs> like, I'm not a bright guy. Like, I'm just a reg- I signed up for a Russian class thinking it was Spanish, and it took me three classes before I realized, I don't think this is Spanish. So I got up to leave, and the teacher, who was hot, she lives in Hong Kong now, she stopped me. She was a little bit older. She was like, listen, I need 14 kids to teach this class. You're the 14th. If you leave, I can't teach this class, and I can't get my master's. I need to teach this class in order to get my master's. So if you sit back down, you don't have to do anything all semester, I'll just give you a C. I was like, Strasvutia, bitches, I'm back. <laughs> so I took Russian one, two, three, and four, never learned a fucking word. Four what, what did you do during class? Because that was probably back in the day when we didn't have like iPhone, whatever. Like, just sat there. Just sat there and listened to people snort a language out of their face. <laughs> like, did you get stoned? Like, what? I, I would go, I'd be coming high. I, I didn't have to do anything. I, Russian 4 was taught in Russian. Because when I was bored during a class... Do you have any idea what it's like to go to a class where I, they're teaching a language just, and you're just sitting there like an immigrant at the DMV like, huh? Huh? Yeah. I, I, but I would like write letters to like my friends that were studying abroad. Like I would, or like write in a journal. Like that's what I would do. I didn't write in a when, journal, Anna. I just fucking got I, high I, and sat in the back of a class and listened to a language. I would have dreams in Russian. I couldn't speak the language, but I would have dreams that people were talking to me in Russian. That's how much Russian was in my life. And in every dream, I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. And so then at the end of Russian 4, same teacher pulls me aside. She's like, we're taking a trip to Russia. If you go, you'll get a minor. What? I was like, you know I can't read, speak, write, or understand the language. She's like, I am fucking well aware of that. (laughs) I was taking a class in a test with which I was unfamiliar with their alphabets. So like, 
Can you imagine having to make up hieroglyphics every test? Just go like, the answer is star hashtag shoe. So she goes, doesn't matter. All the classes you've taken, if you go, you'll get a minor. So I was like, fuck it. Let's go. So we went to Russia in 1995. What year were you born? 1995. Uh, I was talking to Carly. Yeah, Carly. I apologize. Uh in 1995, the mob ran everything over there. The wall had fallen, and the black market had always been there, but now the government has shifted, and now the black market, the mafia, ran everything. And they told us that our first night. They're like, we've paid off the mafia to keep you safe. I'm in the back like, uh, this trip just got fucking awesome. They're like, in exchange for our money, they're giving us two young gangsters. The word for that in Russian is banditi. They go, these banditi are going to live with you. They're going to walk you to class, walk you back from class, take you on field trips, walk you back. Live with you. Don't speak to them. They're in the mafia. I was like, oh, they're going to be my best fucking friends. I'm a frat boy from Florida State. I'm like, oh, it's fucking on. I grab a bottle of vodka, a six-pack of Baltica, put on my fanny pack, walk over to the door. That night, first night, and I planned a sentence. I was going to say, Strasvutsia. Minyasvut Bert, Ochimbriatna, Yarabotayu Koshka. Oh, yeah. It means, hello, my name is Bert. It's very nice to meet you. But I then work. you also made a... Banking gesture. I, I so I was pussy. Yeah, that's right. You kind of. Like, it really okay. means I work with cats. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I didn't know the language. I thought I'd get it if I did enough spanking motions. <laughs> meow, meow, bitches. So, <clears throat> door opens and I'm face to face with a real Russian gangster with the wife beater and the tattoos, with the track pants and the cigarette, and he just looks me up and down. A frat boy from Florida, Birkenstocks, fanny pack, widespread panic shirt. You, I mean. And he looks at me and he just goes, Shto, and I panicked. And everything I planned on saying flooded out of my head. And all I said to him in Russian in his doorway was, I am the machine. And he started laughing hysterically. You got to remember, a little sidebar to this story, they didn't have slang in communist Russia. So when you said, I'm the machine, you meant, I'm the fucking machine. And he's like, what did you say? I just said it again. I'm the machine. <laughs> he brings me in a room full of nine Russian gangsters all drinking and smoking. And he goes, everyone, goes, everyone stop. Tell them what you said. And I'm like, I'm the machine. <laughs> they look at me. They look at each other. And they're like, fuck it. He's the machine. <laughs> and we did shots all night long. And all, all I knew how to say in their language was, I'm the machine. And I fucked cats anyway anyway the, the the guy that answered the door his name was igor he was my best friend we did everything together all summer we ran a pool hall scam we stole a boat and then one day the whole class takes an overnight train trip to moscow and i tell igor we were really close and our rooms were right next door to each other so i tell igor uh hey man we should share a cabin on the train so that we can like hang out and he's like oh i can't go i said why not and he's like different mafia runs train different mafia runs moscow I said, well, wait, what's that mean for me? He's like, don't worry. I had to set a banditi, they'll take care of you. Sure enough, we get to the train station, and he introduces me to my two new gangsters, Igor and Igor, and he tells me, he goes, he goes guys, this is the machine. If you give the machine vodka, you'll have a great time. And the, and the bigger the two Igors looks like a kid on Christmas. He's like, oh, I can't wait to play with the machine. He grabs me, goes, the machine sits in first class. I'm like, that's what I'm fucking talking about. Pimped out. First class has got booze. It's got food. And here's the real gangster part. Second the train takes off out of the station, everyone that works on the train comes in to pay their respects. Do a shot. The conductor walks in. Rips off the stars and stripes to his shirt. Places him on my lap and goes, this is a present for the machine. It would be an honor to do a shot of vodka with the, the machine. machine. I am 22 years old thinking, oh, these machine stories might have gotten out of control. <laughs> Literally, we drink all the booze in an hour and Big Igor just stands up. He's like, machine, we go to the bar cart to get more vodka. I'm like, fuck it. I'm in the mob. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. We roll into the bar cart like a big dick in a locker room. Just, not that I've ever been that guy, but I've seen it. Igor says to me in Russian, he goes, machine, go behind the bar and grab bread in Russian. In Russian. And I understood him. 
for a second, I'm like, I'm fucking learning. I'm learning the language my way, not through flashcards and textbooks, but by joining the mafia. I'm behind the bar lighting up. Like, Igor, I know what you said. He's like, go for your machine. Can the machine find cheese? And I was like, sir, cheese, give me another one. He's like, grab vodka. I was like, I already know that one. Give me another one. He's like, grab the money. I'm like, huh? He's like, grab the fucking money. And I realized at that instant, we're robbing the bar cart, and I'm the one doing it hooked on phonics style. <laughs> grab the shit, walk out. Two of my classmates see me and they're like, you're in so much fucking trouble. Go back to our first class cabin and within five minutes, the head chaperone of this train trip, not the whole trip, just this train trip, she was an English teacher who did not speak Russian. She swings open our, our first class cabin door with that like liberal arts confidence, you know? She's like, this shit is over. Just lights up. You're done, mister. Stand up right now. And Big Igor looks at me, takes a big sip of vodka, spits it in her eyes and goes, no one talks to the machine like that. Slams the door in her face and goes, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. Don't worry, machine. When it gets dark, we have good time. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing when it gets dark? Reaches into his pocket, pulls out a ring of keys, and he goes, we're robbing the whole fucking train. Now, here's the really interesting part to this story, in my opinion. I told that story on Rogan maybe like four, five, six, maybe seven years now ago. And I told her a bunch on the road. And then I, I told her my special, and I posted it on Facebook. I, I, the first day, I had like 20,000 views, and then I had like 15,000 shares, which seemed like a lot. And I was like, that's odd. And then the next day, I had 3 million views. I went, whoa. And then that night, I had 7 million views. I was like, wait, what happened? And I looked at it. What had happened is one of the top comments is left by a woman uh, who was in my class. And her comment on the story was, this story is 100% true. I was on this trip with him. He fucking robbed us. And then she tagged everyone in my class who all of them were like, yeah, he fucking robbed us with the mafia. This is true. There's a true. St-. And it went beyond viral. But yeah, I, I did have to rob my class. <laughs> I did rob my class and the entire train. We robbed everybody. We robbed everybody. And then we drank all night. We partied until like six in the morning. We pull into Moscow, hammered. Ha- the top five drunkest I've ever been in my life. Train stops, sun's up, door opens. Same teacher, not mad, which is curious, right? She looks at me smiling and goes, I want to be the one to tell you. They've alerted the police. And I look out and I see two cops talking to my whole class. They're in their pajamas. They're upset. They've been robbed. I get it. <laughs> Apparently, they've never heard snitches get stitches. Big Igor looks at me completely unfazed. He's like, don't worry, machine. I thought speak to the police for both of us. Goes after the cop and cop, taking a statement. Taking a statement, cigarette in one hand, bottle of vodka in the other, grabs a cop, spins him around, and just starts going, fuck you. We fuck you in the mouth. We fuck you in the ass. We, I'm like, stop with the we shit. I'm not fucking anybody. <laughs> like, I'll hold him down, you know, I guess, but like, I'm not going to fuck him. And now the cop's staring at me, and I hear him bark out, which I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound like, you're okay, stay there. <laughs> I walk to the cop who's standing in front of the class I just robbed. Next to the gangster, I robbed them with. My only thought being, this isn't how I plan on spending my second junior year. I get five steps from the cop who looks impatient. He takes two big steps, grabs me by the arm, spins me away from my class, away from Igor, gets right in my face, and he goes, so, I understand you're the machine, huh? Nice, tonight you party with us. And I was like, what? He was like, tonight you party with us. Do you like strip clubs? I was like, fuck yeah, I like strip clubs. I was like, wait, I'm not in trouble. And he gets so close to me, I can smell his morning cigarette. And he goes, no, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I liked Russians. 
it's that's a I'll never outlive that story. Like I have a bunch of stories that now I think are getting as as popular, but nothing will be as popular as that one. I've never heard anything like that. It's a, it's a well, number one. I've worked really hard on it. Like I spent like four years telling it where it did not get a laugh or was not interesting. The meat of that story is all still the same, but you know, you just the pacing of it and changing it. And the weird thing about storytelling is like people like to hear a story for a second time. So when I go do the road and I do a tour, like everyone yells the machine and I'm like, you guys have already heard it. They're like, just tell it one more time. Is that annoying now? Nah. I mean like, dude, I'm excited that you like it. Like, yeah, it's, it's an incredible story. It's a, it's a good story. And you're and a great yeah. storyteller. And I like, I love, I love like making, like, like hearing Anna's laugh. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I, like when your eyes lit up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like there's, you enjoy telling a story. With a joke, it's different. Set up punch. They know. A joke is predicated on surprise. A story is predicated on like the way a song is. It's a rhythm and a, and a pacing and a, and a, and like holding back uh, energy and then pushing energy and tension. So storytelling is different. A little bit. I know that like part of me wants to do just one show in a market where I tell all the stories they want to hear because all my stories like like I fought a, like I'm one of the more interesting people and I say that with no attachment to it. Like I fought a bear one time. Um, I first time I ever went skydiving was with Rachel Ray. Uh, I was a lion tamer. I was a dominatrix gimp. I was a professional football player. I was an MMA fighter. I I jumped off the world's tallest stadium in Africa. I I was the first person to jump off the stratosphere. Like I have the most insane. I drank goat's blood with a Maasai chief in Tanzania. Like uh, I have the most God. insane fucking stories in the world. I wish this was like your second page of your resume under special skills. Oh my God. I I I, I get lost in it where I tell someone like, oh, one time I was high as shit, drunk as fuck, running motorcycles through rice paddies in Vietnam, and all of a sudden Rogan called, and they're like, wait, 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 hold on, wait, where were you? And you're like, oh yeah, because I I worked for Travel Channel for seven, eight years. I just traveled the world and did these insane stuff. Like my first open water dive was at ninety feet in Fiji. Like that's my first open water dive, and so you like part of you is like. It's it's hard to compartmentalize that and then share it on stage as well because like you do alienate people on stage when you start telling like a crazy story like that they're like huh wait what what who's Moses Mabita and you're like ah oh, this is a long story so do you actually live life to like kind of get material like do crazy things because you know that this could be something that I can actually talk about on stage I never did I do now I never did originally things just happen to me like I, the motorcycle story is a really interesting story because. I I don't I I'd taken motorcycle lessons. I'd ridden motorcycles, and then I was in Vietnam. We had just spent the night in the world's largest cave, and I was high and I was drunk. And we were at this farm stand in the middle of nowhere, and I saw a motorcycle. And I got on the motorcycle. I got, let the guy let me ride it, and I was flying through rice paddies, just hammered. Like it was, and the sun was setting. It was just beautiful. And Rogan called me, legit called me. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I was like, "I'm drunk as fuck, high as shit, riding motorcycles through rice paddies in Vietnam." He was like, "Dude." this is who you are. Like, forget trying to be in movies or trying to be in television or making television or producing television or having your own shingle. This is who you are. This guy who's drunk as fuck, high as shit on motorcycles and rice paddies in Vietnam, he's like, if you don't bring that back and talk about it on stage, then you've failed yourself as an artist. That's what your calling is. The getting involved, flying dildos, you know? Like, all these bizarre stories. So, I think now, now my best bit on my new special that comes out on Netflix this fall is about ziplining with my daughters. And I didn't, it, as soon as we went ziplining and it was just, things were falling apart so hilariously that I was like, oh, this is going to be a bit. And now I'm taking my daughters on vacations like every three weeks 
to go find the next bit because I can't find it. So we're going on a carnival cruise this weekend. <laughs> we were just in Mammoth Mountain. Like, I'm doing every. I'm like, guys, more funny, more funny. Jesus, do I need to slip you guys edibles? Come on, guys, let's do something. Oh, God, that's. I love it that you're a, a liver of life. I am, but there's a backside to that is like, I've done so much shit. And I've and then there's a weird like I'm gonna say this and I'm being very gentle with it, but like a weird PTSD that happens where you do all this dangerous shit with no training. Like I did no training in any of these. You just get in and do it, and they it's like it's like baptism by fire. Like ziplining off a waterfall, I fell off the waterfall and landed like 15 feet on my back. All, thought I broke my back. Thought I was gonna die. There's a weird PTSD that happens where no, and I think it's why I started doing marathons and. Tough Mudders and Spartan races. I'm doing a the Malibu Triathlon. I'm no training, just no training. I'm gonna just go do it. But I think part of me likes the excitement of it, the energy, the adrenaline, the the being f- afraid. I think I've connected now to it in a weird way. Well, that's that's what also what being a stand up is, right? Like, yeah, stand up is just so beautiful. It's such a. It, I this is gonna sound way too important, but like I watched John Stewart at Clusterfest the other night speak to sixteen thousand people who were on every fucking word and he was talking about love and he was talking about acceptance and he was talking about what this country needs and Samantha B and and everyone was listening and I went there's no other no other art form do you are you allowed the an hour and 15 minutes to talk to people about your thoughts if you're a musician at some point someone's like just fucking play the song if you're an actor people are like no one wants to hear your thoughts no one but as a comic People go, this guy fought it through. Jon Stewart was up there, and everyone's like, he's a comic. He's really intelligent. Let's hear what he has to say. Jim Jeffries, Bill Burr, Segura, um, Rogan. Other, they go, this is what they do for a living. They talk. It's really fascinating, and I thought, I was like, wow, I'm really privileged to be a comic at this point in this world when like things are so fucked up. And I don't talk about politics at all, I, but my job is is the opposite of what Don Stewart does, and that is to let you forget about the world. Like, I want you to come to my show and forget that your mom's sick or that your dad passed away or that your dog might have to be put down or that the world is so fucked up. I don't talk about issues. I don't try to, like, get, like, like I, here's the thing I like about Trump. I don't do that shit. I just try to have make sure everyone has a good time and goes, oh, yeah, I want to be a more fun dad. Like, I wouldn't mind going out and eating edibles with my friends and going camping, you know? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, that that's what comedy's for. And it's, and this, well, I, I won't get into sort of my, like, I have all kinds of theories. I used to be more angry about how comedy, at least in my world as an actor, like is um, kind of easily dismissed um, as an easy art form. But it's, it's not. Of course, you oh, know, I'd much rather in, be a serious actor than a com- comedic actor. It's, uh, it's so incredibly difficult to try to um, relate your own experiences that are oftentimes humiliating Um it's vulnerable and an and attempt to have an audience relate to them as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I think early on I, I read, which was so stupid of me, like after Scary Movie came out, the first one, like I read some reviews. I remember one in particular where it was like, I'm sure Ferris is as dumb as she appears. Or there was there was something about like the, whatever. And, and because there is that, you know, assumption, I guess. And I don't quite know why that is. I don't think it's quite as true with stand-ups, but, um, cause oftentimes I play characters that maybe aren't quite as bright, but anyway, uh, whatever. We don't need to no, hear no, no, about no, all No, 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 there's, stuff, there but. is a connection. There is a connectivity. It's like, I tell people, I'm not like, I don't, 
I don't know about politics. I don't read. And I'm not like, you know, I am pretty intelligent, but I don't, I'm not, I don't go up on stage and going, I'm smart as fuck. Watch this. There are times where you get frustrated with an audience where they're like, tell the joke. And you go like, no, I'm not because it's really bad. And if I told you, you'd be, you wouldn't laugh because I know comedy better than you. I know you better than you know yourself. Like I know what makes you laugh. I know what can turn you off. I know that if I say this, it's a weird thing with comedy is that, you, it's all you know. Especially if you're doing a stand-up setup punch, it's. I know the misdirection that's going to get you to groan, and then I know the joke that I have to tell to make you laugh afterwards. Acting is a lot more complicated because, like I said, there's so many roles you've been in. I didn't know that just wasn't you. Like you just fit into it perfectly, and that I'm sure that there's a part of you that goes, "Oh, this person is that person." You know, like Chris Farley. You know, Chris Farley in a weird way was Tommy Boy to an extent, but it's super easy to compartmentalize people like that. Yeah, and both realms are very difficult. Uh, like the idea of, I mean, I I just like I like playing characters and hiding behind characters and trying to challenge myself with different kinds of people and and honoring them even if they're fucking insane. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thing. Um, but See, I haven't done enough acting to know if I would like it. Like, I don't think I would. I get very insecure. So, like, I would need a director that was like, dude, that was amazing. I would need someone that was like that the whole time. Because everything I have done where they're like like sitcoms, anything single camera makes me uncomfortable as shit. I need four multi-camera, like, in an in a audience. I need the laughter. I need... It's like that... Did you ever hear that story about Roddy Dangerfield doing Caddyshack? No. So he's doing Caddyshack the first day, and he's killing, and he's... But he starts sweating, and they pull him aside, and they're like, what's the matter? And he's like, I'm fucking dying up here. And they're like, what? And he's like, I'm bombing. No one's laughing. And they're like, Roddy, it's a movie. They can't laugh, or they'll break the take. And he's like, huh? So then they go back. Harold Ramis is like, I think it was Harold Ramis, was like, hey, guys, on these next takes, just laugh. Break the take, but it's going to make Rodney feel more comfortable. So Rodney's like, yeah, it's a nice hat for you. And then everyone laughs, and he's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But I think there is that weird, I need that result immediately. When I, because I, I grew up doing theater, and when I did Scary Movie, I remember, like, I wasn't getting anything. And it, it's like, I'm totally vulnerable. I'm convinced I'm going to get Wait, who fired. Do you think, who do you think is more, do you well, think you're insecure? Oh, yeah, yes. Who do you think is more insecure, me or you? Uh, we're probably insecure in very similar ways. Ooh, I could out-insecure you super oh, I bad. I don't know, I don't know. Do you ever lay know. in bed uh, and fight with people in your head? <laughs> about oh, what sure. they say about you, about how bad you are, and you're like, well, I'm not just a drunk alcoholic <laughs> who tells the same story every night. You don't even know me. <laughs> do you ever do that? <laughs> but I remember having that, that Rodney Dangerfield 
feeling so I, I but I was I was way too afraid because I just wasn't getting any feedback and, and I hadn't done comedy before and so I asked the hair person that I was starting to get closer to I was like hey so how, how do you th- how do you think that take went and she said oh it went great you didn't touch your hair once Oh, and I was, but oh, that's so funny. Her perspective was to think yes. about herself. She's thinking about your hair the whole time. Of course. And so that oh was, my God. that was like the lesson that I had to learn. Like this, the crew was not an audience and oh it makes you God. feel so vulnerable, of course, so vulnerable. And it's like, you know, everyone on a film set is concerned with their own job. And I don't know. And David Zucker used to talk about like how, um, he did Scary Movie 3 and 4, and how he, uh, like, if the crew is laughing, we're in trouble. And, really? Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting... Why, why? Because I think it, I think the philosophy was that, um, that the performance was too big, that it wouldn't fit into the format. Well, that is that fascinating. It's not, um, that it's not realistic enough. And because uh, we would get a lot of, a lot of stand-ups come and do cameos on those David movies. David Cross... Uh, yeah. the, the Wayne's brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they were the stars. And but we would get like a, you know a few day players or whatever. And the like when they would start improving and everything, the crew would just crack up and it would be unexpected and everything. But usually that stuff never made it in the movie, especially the tone of those movies, the spoof movies. You have to play them with a lot of sincerity, even if the lines are unbelievably ridiculous and that's a tricky thing for you know for 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 people to do in general because your instinct is to fight against a stupid line like you you don't want the audience to think that you're that stupid and so to play it with sincerity you have to have the acceptance of like okay it's it is giving up a sense of vanity like i I give me an example of a line and then let's um, all go around and try to deliver it. Oh God, what was what were some of the lines that, like, none of it made any sense? It's it, you know because you're playing these one-dimensional characters. Yeah. That that have like zero backstory. I mean, I think I died in three of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some backstory. <laughs> like, like I had a like a an ESPN line. And I, I selfishly think that Mean Girls stole that line. But anyway, that's my, my own little bitterness, maybe. But um, it was something like, but Dan, I have ESPN. And then my, I get hit in the head with a boom. I had to walk and talk while I'm delivering this line. And I get smacked with a, with a boom mic, which was actually a really difficult stunt. I still think I'm owed a little money for that because it hurt my back. Did you, did you get hurt? I, yeah, it was painful. It was pain. It's hard to fling yourself backwards in a in a full shot. Um, oh, okay. Here, here we go. Look, look. If it's about that time, I puked green slime and masturbated with a crucifix. It was my first keg party, Bobby. <laughs> All right, let me try. Well, you're gonna play it straight. I'm gonna play it straight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play it into your eyes, like we're acting. Oh, by the way, this is making me really uncomfortable. Okay. This is why I don't enjoy acting. Okay, okay. I'll lead you in. I'll lead you in. Cindy, we have to talk. I can't. I can't start over. I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm getting uncomfortable. Oh, acting is like having sex with someone with the lights on and no condom, and you're just like, "Woo, we're looking at each other. This is happening." Cindy, we have to talk. Look. <laughs> If it's about that time I puke green slime and masturbated with a crucifix, 
It was my first keg party, Bobby. That was good. Oh my God, I don't like it. I would much rather tell a joke than, that makes me so uncomfortable. I would much rather be on stage with nothing to say and come up with it in the moment than know what I'm saying. Isn't that the dream though of all stand-ups to act like on a TV show, get a series, that type of thing? You know what's so funny? I was at, I was at my agency the other day. By the way, you were there at the exact same time and we passed each other and my wife, my wife pointed it out this morning. I said, we're going to Anna Ferris's house. She goes, oh my God, she looks amazing. Oh like, my God, that's so sweet. I go, I love how, do you, your how wife. do you know what she looks like? She goes, We just saw her the other day at UTA. I was like, What? She's like, We walked almost into Did her at Valet. smile at each other? I'm, I don't make eye contact when I'm in places where business happens. I keep my head down. I don't make eye contact because I have a problem that if I recognize a famous person, I geek the fuck out. I have a hard time with it. And I guarantee you, had I seen you, I would have been like, oh my God, I love your podcast. I have a question. When you guys started releasing two episodes at once at the first, did that make your numbers <laughs> higher? I'm, I'm curious. Wait, I, you, you know that? Come on. Holy shit. Dude, I, and so, and so like, I would have geeked out hard as fuck. I do that. It's involuntary. I did it. To, I, I can't stop it. It's like an addiction. I did it to David Cross the other day. Like, and by the way, I'm like, I'm not a huge David Cross fan, but like, I I happen to be watching his stand up in bed at Clusterfest in the morning. I'm hungover, and it just came up on my feed, and I start watching it. it made me giggle, and then I walk in. By the way, I'm in the same area he is. Like, I'm supposed to be working also, and I fanboy out. I'm like, bro, I just was watching your stand up. He's like, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. And someone's like, do you want a picture? And I was like, no. And I was like, oh, my God, is that what I look like? Like, did I really just freaking creep him like I'll suck your dick? Like, they were like, hey, my, hey UTA, we were at thing. They're like, do you want to meet Action Bronson? And I was like, I can't. Because if I do, he will never respect me. Because I'll be like, dude, I was a first, I first found Fuck That's Delicious. I found it. I was at my beach house, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm high. My family's there. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's got something. And then I start listening to Bam Bam Blockabout. Let me tell you something. I love your hip-hop. I love Larry Zonka. It's one of my favorite songs. I did a video one time where I was challenging my buddy Tom Segura to a race. And I did a video, and I used one of your songs. Like, that is what's wrong with me. I am the person that when a band gets done playing has to talk to the lead singer. Like, I have to. I, I get in line like, oh my God, can I please talk? Like, I am, I have way too much conversation in my head about things. Like, I'm the kid that brought his glove to baseball games, professional baseball games, legit thinking the coach at one point would be like, fuck, we're out of third basements. Kreischer, can you do this? Like, I believe in that. So, like, I'm glad I did not see you. My wife's cool <laughs> as shit about that stuff. Like, she'd be like, oh, Hi. And uh, I just I would have I would have been awkward. I get I get really nervous. I get really starstruck and really nervous. And half of the time, like I'm not quite sure if I properly recognized somebody. And because I I finally got you know LASIK. Yeah. But for a long time I was kind of blind, and so like my first like six years here in Hollywood, I was I was like oh my god I think that's Nick Nolte. That's Nick Nolte. Oh my God! I think. Wait, wait. That's Sandra Bullock, and everyone would always. They, I like was notorious for it. People would be like, "No, no, oh. that that's not Sandra Bullock at Baja Fresh. Come on, dude." I. What you know who I did that to? Do you, I did the. I did. I did the typical. This is like. I'm. This is a little inside baseball. But when you get recognized, a lot of times, especially if you're at my level, people go, "Hey, what's up?" And you're like, "Hey," and they're like. I, I know you. Where did you grow up? And you're like, that's not it. And they're like, no, no, no. What is it? And then you're like, I'm a comedian. They're like, I don't watch comedy. You're like, I was on Travel Channel. I don't watch that. And you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know where you know me, but we definitely didn't grow up together. And that's the thing. I did that to a young lady who was at Jones on Third 
on Melrose back when it was on Beverly or Melrose, yeah. the old well, the original one. They had third. That would Jones be a, Jones, a, it's called Jones on Third. That would be a Jones. good place to put Jones on Third on Third. Yeah, you're right. I think it wasn't on Melrose. But how ironic would it have been? Jones on Third on Melrose. By the way, there's a Jones on there's that fucking Jones on Third on Third. So I am uh, I'm with my buddy Croy and we're and I and I, I my buddy Croy had worked there, so we been very comfortable there. And so I'm walking by and I see this really cute girl writing in her diary. And I don't know why I did this. And I have, by the way, I could give you a hundred of these stories. I lean over, I go, what you writing? And she was like, excuse me? I was like, hey, what's up? And she was, I was like, I didn't know you were here. And she was like, I am here. And I was like, I said, yeah, I saw you writing your diary. It's Bert. And she was like, I don't know you. And I went, mm, I'm pretty sure you do. She was like, you, I, you don't. And I'm writing about private stuff right now. And I was like, okay. And so I sit down with my buddy, Croy. I was like, what's her name? And he's like, Reese Witherspoon. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I just did that to Reese Witherspoon? I have so many of those. And then, of course, and then of course, you got to fix it. You got to go over and be like, by the way, I'm a big fan. Like, I didn't, I thought, I thought. Can I, can I uh, read your diary? Yeah. She's writing about, oh, by yeah. the way, it's right when, it's right when uh, her and Ryan Felipe are breaking up. And I'm sure she's like, I'm going through some shit. I'm journaling. And here's this fucking guy. What you writing about? Huh? And reading your diary. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is a hard period of my life, and I just want to have a fucking egg salad sandwich, and and I'm, I'm horrible, and do do not put me on a plane with a famous person, oh, because uh. I'll pretend I don't know who you are, and then figure it out mid conversation when I've already plugged in everything in my life that makes me sound interesting. Who, who, who'd you oh, do to? Name it, Common. Who? I've done it to Common. I've done it to. I've done it to. I think both Trey and Matt Parker Stone. I've done it to. You name it. You. Put me with a famous person, and I will fuck it up. Uh, Ric Flair? Did it to Ric Flair? But how do I not know who the fuck Ric Flair is? And here I am just, oh, yeah, I like to drink on planes, too. <laughs> I am horrible at that. The first time I met Rogan, I was like, I, I couldn't hold it in. Like, we, I go to his house to his podcast. I go, I'm going to need to see your deprivation tank, your dog, your wife, your house, and we're going to hit high, and then I can do a podcast. And he was like, uh, okay. Some of these aren't even funny. Some of them are creepy. But the the best one ever is when I first came out here for like my first development deal. Uh, I I went to the premiere of the movie Magnolia. Remember Magnolia? Oh, and yeah. Tom yeah. Cruise yeah. was the with the preacher sure, sure. with the yeah, with the yeah. hair. Yeah. And I'm telling a story to all my agent, all my assist, the assistant agents that I see. I'm telling this story. I'm like, oh my god, and I'm like going back and forth, and they're all lighting up like it's an amazing story, and it's not that good of a story. And I take a step back and I bump into Tom Cruise, who. I had that hair and I look at him and he looks at me and he goes, hey. And I go, you have beautiful hair. And he looks at me and he goes, thank you. And just walked away. And everyone's like, what did you say to Tom Cruise? I was like, apparently the wrong thing. Oh, don't ever let me run into Brad Pitt. I swear to God, I will make that guy crawl out of his skin. You as Tristan, when you've got your back against the boat and you're smoking bong hits and you're lost and your beard's going out, that is so me. I've been there so much. My wife told me after we dated for four months and all I did was watch Fight Club. I swear to God, I am Tyler Durden's broken liver. Like, I would, I am not that guy. I can't top you with that, but man, I'm bad at it too. Oh. And especially there's a there's a specific what feels like there's a pattern with with women because with actresses or actors I still have complicated feelings about both terms whatever we can talk about that later or not but um, <laughs> but 
we, we see each other at these events because we don't get to work with each other very often. Yeah. So it's always like, oh my God, you look so nice. Oh my God, you look beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, oh, I, like the, it's the same pattern of dialogue that you have. And it is almost like a beginning language class. Yeah. It's like, do you know where the bathroom is? Or like, oh, is this kind of lame? Or, oh, no, you like it. No, it is really cool. Ah, oh, God. Oh. Like, it's painful. And I don't, and I, I know that it's me because I just don't know how to communicate with people very well. Oh, that's why I drink. Because I go, I, I go, I cannot interact like that. Like, if I, if I swear to you on my children, if I happen to run into Ben Affleck, I'll just hug him. I'll just hug him. I go, hey, man, I've been through this struggle with you. I love you. You got support. Just let's get you through this. Like, would you really just the, go up to him and hug him? I would fucking hug him. I would hug him. I would hug him. Because he gets so much shit from everyone. And by the way, let me tell you something. When uh, America does a thing where I call it buying into somebody. You buy that person. You buy that person. That person is in so much shit that all of a sudden you're like, he shows up. and he, I say guys. Mo- I mean, w- they does it to women, but women are a little different because there is this sexual thing from a guy. Like a, a, You see like your movie stars and you get like attracted to them. But with guys guys will buy into them as their action hero like i'm bought into tom cruise you spend 120 million dollars i will definitely give you my 25 dollars to go see that movie I, I i it is always worth it tom cruise is always worth it he will always follow brad pitt i bought into that guy a long time whatever he does i'm gonna i'm gonna support him he's my guy same with ben affleck and matt damon when they i was working at barnes and noble when they blew up i was shelving books at barnes and noble and they both came out with autobiographies <laughs> Matt's was the golden boy, Matt Damon. That was his biography. And I I had to shelve this fucking book. I'm making no money at Barnes and Noble and I'm shelving the golden boy, Matt Damon. And I was like, fuck it. I took it down to the basement and I read it and I was like, I like this guy. I like him a lot. I like him. I'm bought in. I bought that guy. Dude, those are two guys that if, like if I ran into them, they're my age. So I'd be like, bro, I always got your back. I always got your back. Well, you're right about like the adoration of celebrity and how I know it seems like well no, do, I didn't mean to do that no but no but no but should we get to deal breakers or should we not I, I think do you want to I don't think we should we have okay. we're gonna um, I think we're gonna do one call because we need okay. time we're gonna okay. we're gonna bump into Mayim Bialik you're opening for Mayim who's that What's my? Is that a person or a, yeah, a we, test? Yeah, Sim is making me do two it's podcasts. A, she's our next. I, but, we're doing two. But podcasts. I, but my I, Bialik from Big Bang Theory. She's also on Blossom. She was Blossom. Oh my God, Blossom! Yeah. Are you serious? Was That's that how a, you that say real, her name. Was that a real reaction? Yeah, I'm being dead fucking serious. Whoa. <laughs> Are you shitting me? She's coming. She'll be here in an hour. Oh my God, she is awesome. By the way, I bought into her. Her and Punky Brewster. Whatever happened to that girl? She I married know. the guy that uh, created Punked. I think. Yeah. Aston Kutcher. No, the uh, Ashton Kutcher is a partner guy. Oh, interesting. I guess that didn't pay off as much as Maya Bialik. That's a great fucking name. Is that her name? Maya Bialik, yeah. Maya she's Bialik. also like a brain surgeon? What is she? No, she's a she, neurosurgeon. Was she in Beaches? She yeah. She was amazing in Beaches. Um, dude, that's a movie that made me cry hard as shit. I'm a big crier in movies. Like, especially if you get me on a plane... Huh? Like I'm sobbing. The rot. What was the? I rot? love the idea of you sobbing next to Common. Like you're oh. like three hours in. <laughs> you're like I'm a nervous flyer, so that's why we're I watching drink. Walking Tall with The Rock, where he goes to the courtroom and takes his shirt off. This will never happen to anyone in here. And you see the scars on his back, and I am sobbing, crying, going. 
The Rock retweeted me once time, one time, and I lost my fucking shit. I made it uncomfortable for my children. That's how much excited I got. I was shaking in the kitchen, and he was like, bro, you're hilarious. This line had me rolling. And I was like, what? And my daughter's like, is something okay? I go, The Rock fucking retweeted me. And my daughters are like, are you kidding? I mean, we shared it as a family. Segura called me. He's like, dude, The Fucking Rock retweeted you. Dude, I bought into The Rock hardcore. Dude, I listen to that guy before I work out. I watch his Instagram, and I go, all right, we're both going to the Iron Jungle today. I bet The Rock could get me into some gay shit. Like, if he was like, hey, man, just I'm looking for someone to go into the closet with me and hold me for a little bit. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm in. So, so yeah, sure thing. Yep, 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 all right, let's do it. You like ballers? Uh, no. <laughs> you, you, only go, you only follow The Rock so far. Uh, Jumanji is maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen in my I entire fucking good, life. But the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. But Jumanji, it, I watch it with my family. I'm big about my family shit. Like, if I can do shit with my family and we can all enjoy a movie, that's next level. And Jumanji had me pissing myself. Like, it was an awesome movie. Sim and I are both like, uh, we, we, I, we we'll did, take your word for it. You it. guys didn't see it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's better than the other one. Kevin Hart's really funny in it. That girl's really good. The everyone's We Jack had a, Nick Jonas. We had him on the show. Was he good in it? Uh, hey, uh, did you, um, okay. <laughs> what, if, what if Nick Jonas has been listening to this whole episode? He's like, I like this guy. And then you're like, eh. he's like, oh, fuck. Did you, um, ever, uh, taste your wife's breast milk? Yeah. You did? Yeah. What was it like? Sweet. It was like sweet. a milkshake. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wh- why did you just ask him that? I don't know. I wanted to talk a little bit about his wife, and that was my easiest segue in, I thought. Yeah, when we when we first started having sex right after she had a baby, she would just pour milk out of her breasts. And you're just, like, getting hosed down, and, she, and it was just uncomfortable. That's when you realize, oh, we're partners in this. We're not just people who fuck. We're going to be around for a while. <laughs> like, we're going to be, like, because, you know, during childbirth, she was definitely shitting and pissing everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, I'd never had a woman literally shit. Three months. Of- I'm having a boy in three months. Oh, for first. real? Yes. So oh, what, you're telling me, what you're telling me now is. Go south of the gurney. What? South of the gurney. No, I'm they not going a- south of the you gurney. Got, you should. No, I don't. You're only going to see it no. once. <laughs> no, it opens like a shark's mouth. It. Just, I'm not going to unsee it. I won't be able to unsee it. No, 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 told- no, no. No, you have to. Come you got to see it. You got to see it. <laughs> you gotta see it. No, yes. look, are you going to Egypt and not going to go see the pyramids? <laughs> yeah. Why would you go in and give childbirth yeah. and not watch her? Yeah, wait, yeah. How long did you stare? Did you were you there for a while? Dude, I saw the episiotomy. I saw when he cut, like he goes, "Who's ready for a baby girl?" And I'm like, "Bring that shit, rude boy." And he it was, a, it was a Jamaican. It was a Jamaican doctor, and uh, and he took a pair of scissors, and I was like, in my head, you could see her because my daughter crowning, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna cut a lock of her hair for our scrapbook," and then he just went, and my wife. Inside out, it went frunk, and I went, uh, this is not fitting in that. Like, were we putting that back together? That was my first thought. And so, but, uh, yeah, I saw all of it. I saw it twice. It happened for my second daughter, too. But you got to see it. You have, because you know what? I'll though, glance. Too? I'll take a but quick little peek. You'll never have any respect for the amount of fucking. Yeah, yeah no, I know. No. Like, and believe me, my wife tells me every day, you have no idea what the hell is going to happen to me but but and also it's like you have to go back and forth yeah you got to go back because, and forth. because yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll affect her she'll fe- think that i'm like staring at that she'll, and, and, she'll yeah. feel like that you will never like her again if you gotcha. you know what i mean like or you know be a tra- it's a such a vulnerable moment i'm sure you got to go back and forth and yeah and but you know what let me let me 
I'm, I'm going to prepare you for the how it is for a guy because you're there for a while. This is a great time to watch frequently asked questions about time travel. <laughs> just, just put it on your computer and you'll enjoy it. And that's so so annoying to your wife. Like, this is actually a really great movie. This is an uh, amazing movie. You're going to love this. Not now. You wouldn't like it now. And guess what? Anna's in it. Yeah. Oh, here comes Anna. Anna's Here she is. Killing here it. she is. Oh, oh this is yeah. the twist he was talking about. Holy shit. Yeah, I watched... I took a Xanax when I got there, and I watched like Uncle Buck. I watched Fight Club. I watched all guy stuff. And my wife, she was out of it. She was like in a lot of pain. She was in labor. And I was Did like, "Did you do the epidural?" Oh yeah, and yeah, they yeah. fucked her epidural up the first time. Oh. And she was the, she had the one where they don't missed tell Sim that. Do yep. the epidural. I'm not gonna let her listen to this part. Yeah, yep. it's dude. It's fun. It's a lot of fun having a kid. Is and the whole you'll never like it's gonna be really rough, but. Trust me when I say mine are 11, 13, and they don't call me dad anymore. They call me uh, big old B, and and you miss like when they're little babies. And I wish I could go back to those rough nights where they're up all night, and then you got them, and you'd it was oh, I was like I miss it so much. And now they're just growing up. They both have their periods. Like, <laughs> I know. I keep. I you know my son. He's about to turn six, but I do. I do think about like the the sticky socks or blankets or whatever you guys. Uh, use like in the early years to jerk off with and you think like your mom's not gonna find it and, oh, and it's like up. why is this crunchy oh oh fuck <laughs> i never thought that my mom knew that i jerk i mean clearly i did i mean i did it a lot like i did it to the point where i thought i was gay i did it so much i literally I think, thought i was gay i was like i, I think clearly all I'm gay. boys do right like like Four or five times a day, right? Uh, like, I did it. I did it to the point like I've done it where stuff doesn't come out anymore. Your, your dick just has a dry heave. It's like you're like, come on, buddy, let's get it out, let's get it out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't imagine having a son. I, I can't imagine raising a son in this climate in this culture. It's so easy with girls because everything's set up for girls right now, like for like acceptance and like my daughters are walking into a great time to be a woman. Clearly, off the backs of feminists. You know, like it, I didn't do any of this work, <laughs> but it's great to be a young lady right now. And as a boy, it's got to be a little alienating. I don't know how to, you're going to raise a boy. But <laughs> Thank you. Uh, borderline, real not cool stuff would happen to you as a kid and you just would swallow it and go, oh, it's part of growing up. And and I'm very grateful that my children and children don't have to go through bullying anymore. Like I, I got legit bullied. Like you go into the bathroom. I went to an all boys Catholic high school. So you go to take a shower and they and guys would just start pissing on you. And you're like, oh, that's part of being a child. And you get urinated on. And yeah, good one, guys. <laughs> I mean, I was in fraternities when you could haze. Like, hey, you can't haze anymore. Me too, yeah. It was, I got hazed. Like, me too. Oh, oh. oh, I had some shit done to me. Holy crap. But Dude. yeah, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it now. But oh, yeah. let's share it. You want to know? You want to hear one? It's called Sloppy Biscuit. So, oh, God. They blind. Is this, is this you. like Gookie Cookie? Probably. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll walk. Let's see if we can match each other. Blookie? Gookie cookie. Oh, God. So they blindfold you naked in a room. Everyone's naked. And we're all standing, paddles and books behind our back, back against the wall, blindfolded. Roll of quarters in your hand. And uh, and then they go, all right, gentlemen, in the middle of the room is a, a biscuit. The last person it's to ejaculate thing. on it has to eat it. Yeah, same as gookie cookie. Go. And then you're sitting there going, oh, this is a game time decision. What do I do? Do I? And then you're just sitting there like, what do I do? What do I do? And then all of a sudden, someone comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder, and is like, take your blindfold off. And then there's two dudes just in the center just going to town on each other, just jerking off, blindfolded. Just And, and everyone now everyone's got, no one's got a blindfold on. We're all just watching them. That was it's part so of childhood. 
That is <laughs> so <laughs> fucked up. No, we, I, never, that never, I heard about it. It never happened in our fraternity, but I've heard about that. Oh, that is there was so... a couple of houses on our... our hazing was so legit, like in the box, and you'd had to get into a box, and they just put you in a box. They literally, I remember one time it was Halloween, and they they filled our mouths with pumpkin seeds and the guts of pumpkins and our hands, and we had to sit at attention like this. I mean, dude, hazing was like people died. Oh, yeah. And so like I went through that. I would never want my son. I would never wish for your son to ever do behaves like that. No. I'm grateful that's gone. I, I, but. I think it's gone. I think it's pretty much gone now. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure there will be people tweeting saying it's not, hazing is not gone yet. But yeah, I remember my school, we went through, I mean, there was a zero, I went to USC and there was a zero tolerance after after a bunch of shit happened. I oh, mean, we had zero tolerance, injured. but we still got hazed and they were like, you yeah. better not talk about this to anyone. And just the yelling, like the just getting, you, you bowing up to me, motherfucker. Come on, get down. Give me the creed. I can still give you the creed. The ATO creed, buy men together and above based upon a strong and numerous terrorism. I Like, I still remember all of this because in just panic learning. Yep, me too. You've reached the obsequious mansion of Phi Kappa Psi, a brother of honorable and courteous and cultured who pledged throughout their lives to be generous, compassionate, and loyal comrades. This is Pledge Sim. How can I help you? Wow, that was a phone call, huh? <laughs> Alpha, Beta, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, 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 Omicron, Pi, the Rose, Mattel, Epsilon, Phi, Chi, Psi, Omega, sir, sir. Yep. And then they do it. They light a match. They light a match. You light a match. You yep. hold it in your hand. What? Yeah. No. And they go if you do don't, yeah. yeah. You do the same thing. Who are your founding fathers? Otis Allen Glazebrook, Erskine Mayo Ross, <laughs> William Henry Letterman, Charles David Moore. Yeah. <laughs> I went through this period where I would pretend to be. Uh, I was a freshman in college. I lived in the dorms, and I would pretend. I would go to fraternity parties and pretend to be the little sister of a tri delt. And it w- and I would pretend because I looked really young, not in a oh like a little sister yeah like like I would say that I was fifteen and like this is my first fraternity party I had a whole thing so then I would do and of course like there would like be that like oh, oh fuck dude she's fifteen what the fuck she's fifteen I don't know but maybe, I don't know she looks like she's kind of fuck like I would I would like be like pretend to be tipsier than I was and like clocking this information and being like yep guys are fucking dicks so then one time i stole a vcr which that was a thing uh, that was of value back then and then another time i stole a boom box and do you realize how quickly like i would have fallen in love with her if i'd met her in college <laughs> that kind of chick yeah. owns guys like me and you the Absolutely. kind of chick that's like 100%. that you're like hanging out and she, but you're like cool as fuck you're like right. a, you're like a you're like a what are those things called that come in uh the movie uh, Sharon Stone did the movie. It was a, it was a, not a lark, but a, the thing that inspires you. Like the, there's certain women that can that are that can get in your fucking crawl as a dude, where you're like, dude, no, my chick just stole a fucking VCR, and then all of a sudden you're the alpha, and I'm like, so are we hanging out tonight? Like, I would love to get pizza with you. What kind of books do you read? Uh, with the with the different boombox that I stole, I got I got caught. I was walking down the street with the boombox and I got caught. These two guys came like running after me and they were like, hey, that, yeah, hey, they were like, hey, that's our stereo or whatever. Because that truly was the days of cassettes. Yeah. And, or no, it was CDs. We were at CDs at that point. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, oh my God, no, you guys wouldn't even believe it. Like these, I saw these two guys. I don't even think they were invited to your party, but they tried to take this. And I was like, hey, you need to drop that. You need to drop that right now. And so they put it down on the ground and they took off. And I was I was like, okay, I'm not even quite sure who this belongs to, but does it belong? Okay, it, it belongs to you guys, I guess. 
and they were like, "Oh my God, you're our hero! Oh Come my back God. in." I what, okay. I was, over under. I was a fucked up kid. How many hearts do you think Anna's broken? Oh God, no, 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 more, no, no, more no. I like I was let on. She, no, more than no, she no, even no, no, knows, no, 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 that's it's so generous of you. Just, I think you say that like later in life, but I think I was probably like notorious. Like like people did not like me. I did no. not. I did not have. I had very few friends. For real? Oh yeah, yeah. I was not a because I, I didn't understand how to socialize with people. I just knew I was mad. I was mad at the system. Look, I was my mad wife. My wife like, was mad at people. My wife, when I first met her, she was like, I had to teach her how to fight, like how to like argue with someone, because all she knew was burn it to the ground. And I was like, hey, you can totally not burn it to the ground. We can totally just apologize to each other. And she's like, I'm not apologizing. To this day, my wife has a hard time apologizing. Like, you, like she will totally fuck up, and she just will definitely have a hard time apologizing. My daughter is the same way. And my daughter and my wife fight, and neither of them will apologize. And I just giggle hysterically. I was like, it's fun fighting into a mirror, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I was mad. I was mad that I apologize that I fucking just railroaded this podcast into no, not doing totally, anything. I'll tell you what you awesome. did. I'll tell you what you did. We, we didn't get to seventy five percent of the stuff we had planned. Okay, we're gonna get to. But, we're gonna get to. No, no, no. It's okay. You're yeah. so. You're that, that, so this fucking is, fascinating. I like when this happens. There, there are certain guests that come, and then all of a sudden, you're so fascinating and so funny that oh, thank you, but... it becomes a different show. But we're gonna we're gonna still salvage some part of our show. All right, we're going to call Jack, mail caller. We've been reaching out to to get more mail listeners. Yeah. So let's call Jack now. Jack is 23 and he is in Madison. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Madison, Wisconsin? Yep. I'm supposed to do a club up there. Hello? Hey, yeah. Jack. It's Sim. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hey, Jack. It's Anna. Here's Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi. And Anna's going to introduce our special guest to you. We have Bert Kreischer. Oh, the machine. Yeah. So you know, you know, you, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Amazing. What's up, Jack? How's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, pretty great. I'm supposed to do a comedy club in Madison. I was just on the phone driving here in September. And so now that you know who I am, I didn't think anyone knew who I was there, so now I'm going to do it. So I'll see you there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You'll love Madison. Fuck yeah, man. All right, so, Jack, tell us what's going on with this girl. Yeah, so, like, a year ago, I met this girl while we were both in in college, and we just kind of hit it off. Like, obviously gorgeous and nice and super smart and, like, way out of my league to the point where people probably started asking questions. But we kind of tried the whole, like, college dating thing. And it, it, like, worked for a little bit, but we both got 
pretty busy and it just kind of fell apart and we like agreed to stay friends and all that good stuff. So, so right now she's like a, a super good friend of mine, but I just keep on thinking about her and like, I don't know. I just, I just like, I can't get her out of my mind and, and, uh, I'm just kind of curious of whether or not I should really tell her how I feel or not. And like, I, I'm kind of the type of person to have like a really close group of friends, maybe like 10, 15 really close people. And uh, I just don't want to jeopardize our relationship because that's just like kind of the friend group that she's fallen in for, for me. That does get really complicated. So, so uh, okay, a, a few questions. Has she dated other people? Does she confide in you about uh, guys that she also potentially likes if you guys are friends? Um, Kind of, but not really. Like, we both kind of, during this last, like, we kind of saw each other probably a year ago. And then after that, we both saw different people for a little bit, but we didn't really talk about it with one another. Is she more of an introvert or an extrovert? Is is she sort of a, like a shyer person or is, is she like sort of life of the party kind of person? She's definitely extroverted. And, and she's your age, right? Yeah, so that's another part of the problem because we're both, I'm applying to jobs. We just graduated both like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And uh, so we're both like, she's got a job somewhere else and I'm applying to jobs all over the United States. So it's kind of like, I know I'm 23 and it's, it's probably like statistics say that it definitely like is in the, is in the category of not working, but I just, I just don't know whether or not. Oh, bro, you're in, you're in the perfect that. position. You're in the perfect position. Apply. First of all, you're at the salad days of your life. Just like a meal shows up, you are just getting your salad in your life. This is the best part of yeah. life, dude, bro. First of all, hold off on the job applications. Go backpack through Europe for four months. Okay, do that this summer. <laughs> okay. Go to the end up at the Pink Palace. It's called, it's in Corfu. That's one of the places you go. And I'm telling you right now, you will meet girls that blow your mind. European girls are so fucking different than these American girls. <laughs> you need to sample from the platter. You're getting salad. This is not the advice is, I thought we were going to This is fucking keep awesome. Going. And and what you do is before you go to Europe, like two nights before you leave, you tell this chick exactly how you feel about her. And you be straight up and dead honest and go, listen, I'm in love with you. You make me feel excited. I don't really feel like that with anyone else. And and I want to have a relationship with you. But I'm leaving for Europe for four months. So have fun. And if, if you think it'll work out. Then in four months, we'll see each other. But you go and go on a tear in Europe. Try to get a venereal disease. Wait, isn't that going to fuck things up with no. potentially? If, if she knows that he's going out there banging a no, bunch of Bert European girls? totally right. Yeah, and you got to and you, totally right. and you gotta, you gotta go, this is how I feel about you, but I can't act on it because I'm going to Europe for four months. And you have just set yourself up to succeed. You will come back, and then all your job applications will be out, and you'll end up living in Boulder, bro. Rock climbing on the weekends, <laughs> mountain biking with some girl who makes her own kombucha kombachu Kamba- kombucha kombucha yeah and she has a beehive out in her backyard and you guys end up living in a van and next thing you know you're rock climbing too and you're loving life then you have kids and you have a bunch of saint bernards and you're making micro brewed root beer up in oregon and your life is awesome because you chose to live it you didn't let some chick decide you for you to live it i want to trade places with you <laughs> i do kind of have a, a ticking ticking clock before she leaves too so I love it. I the, just go I, all out. I read. I read on on um, on your email. I I I love it that you um, 
got tickets uh, to Mondo Cosmo. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that that's... But, but I love it that you are going to... Because, you know, we're dear friends, uh, of course. Who's Mondo Cosmo? He's a friend of ours. He's a musician. Oh, nice. Um, but, uh, but, but I will say this, that especially at your age, um, that uh, honesty without confidence is is a tough um, it, it's a tough road because everyone's trying to figure out who they are they're trying to figure out what their own personal value is and um, and so that's why you know a lot of girls are attracted to like bad boys or whatever or guys that are dicks and uh, and a lot of guys are attracted to you know well, I don't know whatever girls Maybe. who steal VCRs <laughs> 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 but like, but you know, but like uh, girls that all their guy friends think that they're hot or whatever. So they like everyone's value is it, because it's such a time in life when um, when you really are, you know, you're figuring yourself out. And there's nothing wrong with being a good guy and having to wait until women turn 35 to realize how valuable you are in life. That I was agree me. with that. That's yeah, me too. That's me, man. Me I, I got a beautiful wife. And I could never have gotten her when she was younger. But at 35, you know, she's getting towards the end of her career. I'm looking at my franchise player years. She's like, wow, I got a rookie coming in. This guy's starting to make money. Oh, shit, bro. Just <laughs> I wait mean, it out. Jack, when I, yeah, when I was, when I was your age, uh, like if a guy that seemed perfect for me told me that he was in love with me, I wouldn't have responded to that. I would have felt like, Okay, well, because I was constantly thinking about what was wrong with me. And so if a person that felt like more aloof or maybe was a player and showed some interest in me, then I was like, oh, oh, maybe I am like attractive. Maybe I can be a cool kid or whatever. There's a whole, you know, there's a lot of complicated ideas in this whole thing. But I love the idea of like professing and you don't have to do a grand gesture but you know Get her name tattooed on your face. <laughs> but but I love the idea of you exploring more because right now my gut instinct would say that if you did that without exploring life more that she she may turn you down because uh, and be like you know I never want to hurt your feelings I want us to be friends um, I really like you as a person or whatever the normal mumbo gumbo is because the brilliance of what Bert said is that you need to experience life and she needs to know that about you too you know I'm going to your Instagram right now I'm looking for a picture of this chick but truly though like living living your life at this at your age is so so crucial and for you to um for you guys to potentially like try it out for a minute and whatever she breaks up with you because she's like has this job in DC and whatever like all there's there's a lot of obstacles that like a healthy good relationship uh, for you guys right now and I think that yeah having a great time meeting a lot of new people I live my motto this way if they don't dance they're no friend of mine do you understand what I'm saying Jackson (laughs) Yeah, you're I, a good-looking dude. You're a good-looking yeah, dude. Yeah, he's looking Jackson. at your pictures right now. He's you're a, a good-looking dude, bro. Go to Europe. <laughs> you're a good-looking dude. You oh look like yeah! You. Oh my god! Yeah, Jackson. I don't know what you're waiting <laughs> around for one chick for. That should be uh, my Tinder tagline. 
I regretted so many times in life. I look back and there were so many women who I thought, you know what, I should have just went for it. I should have just said something. I should, and I look back and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Because when you're 23, 24, you're thinking about these things, you, it gets inside your head. But looking back now, why not just go for it? Well, yes, but that's what I like about Bert's like, plan. Because... But he's still only 23. No, no, no. But but I like the I, I like the idea of being honest, but I don't want I don't want Jack's heart to be broken. I don't want to set him up. Who cares for, if it is? It doesn't well, matter. I, it should I be, happen to care about it my shit, but, it's, it, but if it's if it's broken, that's fine because No, it's true. It is part of life experience yes. that I really believe in. But go to Europe for 3 months and don't call her and that is the <laughs> sexiest thing you can do. It's but so she's not going to be with other true. dudes during this time and he'll be thinking about that the entire time. That she's going what out. Guess she's going to be thinking about. How do you know? Oh, I know. I know. You know what she's going to be thinking about? She's going to be thinking about like Oh, I wonder what Jack's up to. I wonder, like, oh, he's in Madrid. Oh, my God. He's in, like, like you know, Ibiza or whatever. <laughs> and I bet, I bet he's, like, hooking up with these girls and I miss him. And, oh, my God. Like, that's very, very sexy, I think. It to, it's sexy to miss somebody yeah. and to imagine that they, you know, whether or not Jack does get form relationships wherever he goes, it's, it's sexy to miss somebody. And that's sexy for a woman and if, and for a man too, right? It's like, yeah. and I hate to use, cause it's too simplistic, but the idea of playing hard to get, cause I, it's, cause it's too simplistic of a phrase, but there is something very attractive, um, especially in your twenties about somebody who's like figuring out their own value and their own life experiences. And you guys have been friends for a while, haven't you, Jackson? Yeah, for like a year now. Yeah, she's beautiful. So, um, you sure it's her though? I'm almost certain. He's. Does she like piggybacks? Bert, <laughs> dude, you the... are not helping the situation. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I'm looking through his Instagram. If yeah. that's her, she's okay. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not helping. Can we reiterate yeah, that? Yeah, you got a badass car too. <laughs> you got a... <laughs> Listen, Jack, the world's your oyster. You've got, you know, badass. The world's your, the world's your oyster. Don't cut your hand while you open it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, experience life. Um, and if none of this works out, then when I'm there in September performing at the comedy club, me and you can completely concoct a ruse to get her to fall back in love with you. We're like, you take her out to dinner, and then you show her the machine video a couple times, and then I'll walk up, I'll be like, Jackson? Right. And you'll be like, what's up? I'm but like, oh my God, bro, I am a big fan of your Instagram. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'm oh. like, bro, you define me. What are you doing with your life now? Did you go to Europe? Oh, Anna. And then we'll call yeah, Anna. I, I got Anna on the phone. And oh, my God, friends Bert, are like, You guys up? know Anna Ferris? I'm like, Jack. do we know Anna Ferris? Oh, my God, Jack, how is Europe? Hey, I mean, what did you, you do did not car? text me once. Did you not get the international plan? Dude, we have power. We can use it and leverage it and make your life better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, you better not be making empty promises to me right now. Bro, oh, if we, nothing, I will creep you out with how much I'm going to follow through with well, this promise. Apparently. <laughs> I'm going to be like, you're, your mom's going to be like, um, Jackson, who's there on our couch? Oh, that's the machine. Uh, we're working on getting me and Rhonda back together. <laughs> Jack, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you yeah, guys so I, much. Yeah, please keep us posted. Um, and don't cut your hair. Okay, I won't. Okay, all right. But live your life, but uh, proceed forward with confidence and, and let us know. And I love it that you're romantic enough to, like, have a hard crush. That, you, 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 that sounds like that's a sign of a good guy. 
Oh, thank you so much. All right. I love you. I love you too, Jack. I love, I love you, Jack. You Bye. All right, Bye. guys. Yeah. All right, Anna, we should wrap this up. Um, so, Bert, yes. thanks so much. This is a fucking blast. Thanks. So glad you had fun. By the way, I would totally do it again. But you I, would? I would? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Uh, do you live far? Also, yeah, I do. That's why I was saying one day what I'll do is I can... I will get a limo to come pick you guys up to come do my podcast. Oh my god! Where we'll all get fucking hammered. It'll wait for you, and then it'll drive you guys home, so you don't amazing. have to worry about drinking and driving. Anna, I love in? it. Oh yeah, my god! Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, this I would is love a that. blast. My podcast is not as fun as this, but uh, <laughs> but you can you can say whatever you want. <laughs> hey, dear listeners, uh, we love you and thank you. And we always say good night, but I feel like people listen to like, it in the morning or work while they're or like, working. Yeah. yeah, have have a have a great workout. Uh, keep pushing or yourself. They're working. People are working <laughs> or, right or, now. Or yeah, working. Ignore your boss. And I love you. I love you guys too. Love you. <laughs> Bye.